before we get into it, I want to take a moment to recognize that May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, and that next month we'll be focusing specifically on men's mental health. This is something that we don't talk about often as men. We don't talk about our mental health, anxiety, depression, the struggles. So I just thought it was necessary to come on here and share that, you know, I deal with those things. I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. And these are common things that many of us do. And it's okay to talk about them. It's okay to seek help. It's okay to have to do whatever you need to do to address it in a healthy way, in a healthy manner. It's all about a work in progress. We're all trying to be better each day. We're all fighting our own demons. And just know that you are not alone. So whatever you're doing this weekend, I hope you're taking time for yourself. I hope you're recognizing that you have the ability, you have the, the, the resources out there to take steps to address whatever you may be dealing with. And if you don't know what they are and you want to talk about it, feel free to DM me, reach out, we'll chat about it. Always happy to help identify ways that we can all continue to improve. So you are not alone. Aiden. Everyone is part of the family at this point. It is my fan fiction idea that I had. So this movie was garbage. You are a monster beyond all belief. Put them all in the thing and then do the thing. You know what I mean? How? Oh, you're lucky to have me back. <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to get 60 million people because you're not a Super Bowl. Shut up. So chaotic. Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast. I am Joe. He is usually Sean, but due to the Memorial Day weekend, he is on vacation, living it up with family. So I am here to deliver a short pod this week and catch you up on all the good news, uh, some trailers, and The Little Mermaid, of course. Uh, we have to talk about that, of course, right? It's the big release. It's another Disney live action. Uh, of course, people are debating whether or not these live actions should exist. Uh, but for the people that are going to see them, they seem to be really enjoying them. Uh, so I don't know if the critics are just always going to be out of the loop on these uh, and, you know, maybe judging something that they... I don't know, you kind of know what you're getting with these at this point, right? I mean, I'm ranting a little bit here, but you know that you're going to get a live-action remake, most of the time shot for shot, uh, with some tweaks here and there. And so I don't know that we can compare them to the You Hurt My Feelings of the World or the Avatar, the Way of Waters of the World, uh, because they aren't original in the sense that they are uh, taking what was done in the animated and making them into a live action. So I think they're, they're made for a specific audience. Uh, so it's, um, you know, when you see an audience score of 95% on Rotten Tomatoes and the critics hovering around 69 or 68 or something, uh, you see a little bit of the disconnect there. But I digress. Let's talk about the trailers that we got. And I want to focus in on the Flash trailer. We just got a final trailer, I think they're calling it, for the Flash. Uh, and if you saw it on TV, it may have been after Game 6 of uh, the NBA playoffs uh, this past week. But it was a long trailer, and we saw a lot. Uh, there also was a spoiler that was released recently um, based on, or I guess informing us of a cameo that's going to be in the movie, which is a very surprising cameo. So what I will tell you is, if you go on any websites like Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, Coming Soon, Slash Film, whatever it is, do not click on that article because they will tell you who it is. Uh, and, you know, of course, Twitter, use at your own risk because you're going to get that info out there. Uh, and it's going to be uh, 
potentially upsetting to you when you ruin the excitement that you will get from this cameo. I'm a little mad that I already know about it. But uh, aside from that, the Flash trailer just continues to show us some really great graphics, a really fleshed out story it looks like, uh, and what I'm expecting to be a sentimental departure from what we've seen from DC already moving into uh, what James Gunn and Peter Safran are doing in the future. The film looks really great. Uh, I, I can't stress enough how excited I am for it. I was very worried about it for a, a while since it was announced, really. Uh, but now, knowing that it's getting the feedback that it is from some big names, like you know Stephen King coming out. He's not a superhero fan and doesn't love superhero movies, but he was all praise about this movie. You also have Zack Snyder, who came, who I guess saw it recently and said, best DC movie ever. Uh, so that's probably throwing the internet in some uh, a tizzy in some ways. Uh, but hey, we are we're not far from it, right? We're not far from this movie coming out, and hopefully uh, you're able to catch one of the early screenings because I do know that it's being screened all over the country early uh, in a lot of um, you know a, a lot of capacities, like a number of early screenings already. Uh, and you know we're at the end of May here, and the movie comes out in another two to three weeks. So. Um, the fact that you can possibly see it already is kind of crazy. Uh, but I do know that they also may, um, y- you may not want to spoil the last 10 minutes uh, or, you know, the ending of the movie or the after credit scenes. Uh, and from what I'm hearing from some people who have gone, uh, maybe that's being kept out of some of these screenings. So your best bet is probably just to wait until it comes out. I believe it's the 16th of July. Uh, I'm sorry, of June. Uh, But hey, it's coming fast, and then we'll hopefully have a new direction for DC. But then all the questions of what's going to happen with Ezra Miller, will they continue, Uh, and what's that look like after. But check out that last trailer if you want. I don't think it's spoiling too much. It's really just a lot of what we've seen recut, um, and a couple additional things there. Uh, But it's a long movie from my understanding, uh, and so I don't think you're going to really really spoil a lot here if you go check that trailer out. But highly recommend it. All right, the big release of the week was The Little Mermaid. Uh, Full disclosure, I've seen it twice. I've said this on the podcast before. I am also a Disney adult, so I go into these expecting that I'm going to enjoy them. Uh, But I will tell you that there's some of these live actions that were disappointing to me. The Lion King being a primary one. I just didn't think it had the heart and soul of the animated movie. Uh, Pinocchio, that just hit with Tom Hanks last year. I think it was in September. Um on uh disney plus was it was it that long ago already yeah i think it was right uh but anyway it hit disney plus and to in my opinion that's a horrendous movie it was an absolutely horrendous remake i don't love the pinocchio story as it is but that was a problematic one but then on the other end of things you have cinderella cinderella was really solid back in i think it was 2014 Uh, gave us a really good idea of what a well-made live-action film can be, how it can take the original and uh, the original animated film and make it into something fresh uh, and appealing. Uh, We also got Beauty and the Beast, which was, by all accounts, a a good movie. Um, You know, Hermione Granger herself was the, the star there, and Dan Stevens as the... Um, as the Beast. We also uh, had Aladdin from Guy Ritchie, which was a little polarizing. Not everyone loved it. I, for one, really enjoyed it. Um, And it's one of my favorites. If you see my list that I posted on Guy at the Movies Instagram, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, And it made over a billion dollars, so that's why there's all the talk of the sequels and stuff coming. Uh, But, you know, 
we got that as well, right? So you, for all of the the hubbub about these live action movies, they do well at the box office and people end up rewatching them. We have a number in the shoot already that are coming down the road. Uh, we know Cruella 2 is coming. Uh, we also know Lilo and Stitch is coming. And what's the other one that I was just thinking that is, oh, uh, Snow White is coming starring Rachel Zegler. So we definitely are not going to be seeing a slowdown in these anytime soon. I imagine we're going to see others announced in the future. Uh, Frozen is one that I'm just waiting. Uh, Moana was recently announced as well for already getting a reimagining uh, live action. So lots to come. So going into The Little Mermaid, you know, it is one of the iconic Disney animated films. It was part of the Disney renaissance of animation when it came out. I believe it was 1989. Uh, It was right around that renaissance period. But the soundtrack is iconic. Uh, and you know, it's beloved by, by millions. So of course there's concern about a live action edition of this. And then of course we have the hubbub online about the casting of Halle Bailey, um, which in, uh, by all accounts was great casting because that performance in this movie is phenomenal. Her voice is phenomenal. Uh, and I just, I really enjoyed this one. I got to tell you, um, it's a little long and there's some pieces that could have been cut, but everything really worked for me for the most part. Jonah Howard King, uh, as Eric was really good. And this story about him, you know, coming to that Island, uh, as a, an orphan essentially from a shipwreck was a really interesting dynamic thrown in there. Uh, I thought Melissa McCarthy really did a great job with Ursula probably as well as she could have done. She looked the part. She brought the humor. She had the voice for poor unfortunate souls. Um, David Diggs and Aquafina as Sebastian uh, and Scuttle, um, you know, respectively, I thought did a fantastic job. David Diggs, in particular, had me rolling. There's one line he has in this movie where he says, I'm an educated crustacean, and just the delivery was hilarious. Um, but the back and forth between those two is definitely comedic gold. Jacob Tremblay was wonderful in his role as well uh, as Flounder. Uh, Flounder didn't really get much airtime, and I know people were upset about what the uh, design of Flounder looked like. But hey, there could have been much uglier Flounders out there. Um, The music was excellent, in my opinion. Um, It took me a little while to come around on Under the Sea. Uh, I didn't totally love how they did it, uh, but when I saw it a second time, I was utterly engrossed. And some of the new songs in particular, I thought, were really great. Um, you know, there's one that people are ripping on online uh, and in discussions about this film. And it is clearly one that was heavily influenced by the inclusion of Lin-Manuel Miranda um, with the, uh, you know, the original writers, uh, original, one of the original writers of the music. And that's uh, Scuttlebutt. And it's, you know, kind of Scuttle's report of what she's seen and um, there's a rap in there, but it, man, does it hit. I love it. And it's already a TikTok trend. I'm seeing people do it. Uh, so, you know, all, by all accounts, this movie's delivering for the fans. I, I get that critics are like, oh, well, they didn't really do anything new or, oh, it's the same old, same old, um, from Disney. And you know what? It, it seems to work for them. So I don't think we can sit there and continue to judge them for putting out exactly what we expect them to put out. Uh, and making the money um, because they are uh, playing towards their strengths. And, you know, if you saw this movie, uh, maybe you had this experience as well, but there are so many little kids, little girls in particular, who were watching this movie and just absolutely responding to it. Um, You know, there are some intense scenes, which is, 
debatable as to whether or not like young children will really enjoy it. But um, there, it is, you know, the kids were loving it. Kids were absolutely loving it. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this continues to, um, to play out at the box office. I think, Last I saw uh, before recording was it was on track to make $125 million over the four-day weekend, which would be, I believe, the fifth all-time Memorial Day box office uh, haul, which, good for them. Um, But, you know, I kind of ranted and rambled about this a little bit at the beginning. I guess my issue with a lot of the critics going after these movies is that they're Disney movies, Right. They're, they're made for a specific uh, audience, and it's very similar to, for instance, when I saw Super Mario Brothers and, uh, you know, recognized that kids will probably love it. It's perfect for kids. My response about the movie was I didn't think it did enough to bring in, you know, uh, or to be accessible for adults and have that humor. Um, that we got so used to with some other, I guess, more modern and mature uh, animated films like Shrek, for instance, is the one that really ushered that in. So, but in all that, I recognize that maybe it wasn't made for me. And I don't know that we always see that with critics. And that's something that frustrates me a lot. You know, I, I oftentimes wonder, should I be seeing all these movies when I know that I, you know, it's not made for me? It's not something that I want to see. Um, I didn't see Fast X because I know Fast X is a popcorn movie. I know that whole series is not made for me. It's not something that it's ever really enticed me. So I'm not kind of losing sleep over not seeing it. I just think critics need to be a little bit more choosy um, or at least a little bit more understanding um, of what they, um, you know, what they're seeing. Um, All right. So let's get into some of the news here. By the way, Little Mermaid, I gave it a four out of five. Really enjoyed it. Um, Let's get into the news here. Giant freaking robot has some reporting here about Star Wars, and that's that Mark Hamill and Hayden Christensen uh, will be in the new Star Wars movie that will be led by Daisy Ridley. Expected to be seen as Force Ghosts. So, not totally surprising as the story is. Uh, Ray is going to try to rebuild the Jedi Order. Uh, but it is nice to see them both back. Especially uh, Hayden Christensen. I think his resurgence has been really great. Um, so, uh, I'm excited to see him continue. Um, it is going to be interesting, though, how they continue to portray Hayden Christensen. Given... Um, you know, what Anakin did before, uh, you know, with Order 66 before turning over uh, into Darth Vader. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But elsewhere in the Star Wars world, there is reporting that Natalie Portman um, is up for returning. It sounds like she hasn't been contacted, but she has indicated that she would be down for getting back into the game somehow. Um, and, you know, with this series, with Marvel, with any major blockbuster franchise we see that the dead are never really dead so that definitely could be something that's coming down the pike uh one other report from giant freaking robot who is a an outlet that hasn't always been the best but has really been slowly starting to uh i I think gain some recognition for being on point with scoops um there's an old movie that was with uh sean connery uh which was the Dragonheart movie um, I remember seeing this in theaters with my dad back in the day, the first one. Gareth Evans is going to be directing that with Taron Egerton, um, apparently in talks to play the knight, who is the lead character of the film. 
uh, and Liam Neeson is rumored to be attached to voice the dragon. So ultimately in this story, um, you have a young knight who kind of becomes friends with this dragon, uh, and they work together to go after, you know, evil. That's, that's essentially it. Uh, so we'll see what happens. This, the original movie came out in 1996. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that they'd be rebooting this as, you know, we, we see that with, uh, all IP and all properties. Uh, there were a few sequels that came out for it. None that were really, uh, of interest. (laughs) None of them really, I think stood out for any good reason. Uh, but Dragonheart, the original was pretty solid. So I am open to seeing what happens with that. The next story is that surprising absolutely nobody, uh, Lionsgate has confirmed that John Wick 5 is in early development. Um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen John Wick Chapter 4, uh, but I'm going to spoil the ending real quick in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. John Wick dies at the end. Granted, we don't necessarily see the body. We don't see it go into the ground. Uh, and there was, I think, an alternate ending tease that, like, maybe he was, like, watching or, you know, he, he didn't die. So I'm sure they'll be able to kind of retcon that in a little way or do something creative. Uh, but John Wick 5 is definitely coming after the success of John Wick Chapter 4. We know that Ballerina, which is the spinoff starring Ana de, uh, de Armas, is coming next year. Uh, that is a film. We're getting the Continental Short Series, which I believe is going to Peacock, which will be coming this summer. Um, and then it sounds like there may be some other, uh, some other spinoffs in the works. It's kind of crazy. Um, so I I really don't know. Uh, this doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they bring him back. The entire series is ridiculous and his character should have died a ton of times, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Let's, uh, let's see what we can, what we can get from a John Wick 5. I just hope that they... They, I was really excited that they were going out with a bang here, right? That they were going out riding a really wild movie that was so exciting and so much fun and very good. Um, and now what they're doing is kind of going back to the well just because it made so much money and people enjoyed it. Uh, that's not always a recipe for success. Oftentimes it's a recipe for disaster as you beat a property to death, no pun intended. Um, but hopefully that won't um, that won't happen with this. And I hope that... However, they move forward, and it sounds like they're going to do it organically, uh, whatever that means, according to the Lion's Head CEO or Lion's Head boss. Um, it's, uh, I just hope that they don't go too ridiculous with kind of resurrecting him and, and I don't know, butchering it, I guess. All right, third story for today. We have Florence Pugh was uh, the subject of a lot of ire from indie film people when she joined Marvel. Um, she came on the scene and played Yelena Belova uh, the, in the uh, 2019 Black, I'm sorry, 2021 Black Widow uh, uh, film that was um, long delayed because of COVID and other other things. Um, but apparently the independent film world was pissed off at her. Uh, she was talking to Time Magazine recently, and she said, quote, so many people in the indie film world were really pissed off at me. They were like, quote, great, now she's gone forever. And I'm like, no, I'm working as hard as I used to work. I've always done back-to-back movies. It's just people are watching them now. You just have to be a bit more organized with your schedule. That kind of cracks me up. 
Um, you know, as ComingSoon.net references, uh, she was in Don't Worry Darling in 2022. Uh, she was in The Wonder, which was on Netflix. Uh, she also is uh, was just recently in A Good Person, and then she's coming out with uh, Oppenheimer. She'll be in that, as well as Dune Part 2. So she is all over the place. Um, she is doing a lot. And it just, it, it cracks me up that, you know, she kind of said the the funny part there, which is no, people are just watching them now because so many indie movies, quality indie movies don't get watched. Um, but, you know, good for her. She's, uh, as Sean would say, getting that bag. Uh, and um, hopefully she continues to, to see success with these films that she's doing. Um, the one thing I will say about her as well uh, is it seems like she is very malleable to all kinds of different roles. Someone asked me recently what my the most underrated performance of hers is, and I do think that it's in Fighting With My Family, the WWE movie, Fighting With My Family. I think that's her most underrated. But she's just really good at whatever she does there. So, um, you know, Hawkeye, she was an incredible a uh, addition there. Uh, her one scene with Hallie Steinfeld was incredible. So I'm hoping to see more of her in the future in that role. Um, but she seems to be, I don't know, she seems to be like an honest worker. And one that just, as she said, does back-to-back films, continues powering through. Um, and at this point, who hasn't been in a Marvel movie or who has not been rumored to be or approached to be? Because there's so many Marvel projects out there that you're... You know, if you're a quality actor of some sort, you're going to get tapped for one of these. And I think that's just the reality of what, you know, <laughs> they need people, right? All right, last story for today uh, is one that we kind of figured was coming in some fashion at some point. Um, but Variety is reporting that they're, uh, that Netflix will charge, let me see, charge an additional $7.99 per month um, for any additional user who attempts to access customers' Netflix accounts outside the subscriber's home with an apparent workaround for traveling subscribers. This is what Slash Film is reporting uh, via Variety. So they've been trying to cut down Netflix, that is, on uh, password sharing, and it seems like this is all um, this is all what's going to happen. Um, it, uh, this is kind of weird to me. I don't understand... I guess how they're going to do that workaround. Cause for instance, I'm down the shore recording this podcast. Uh, and you know, I want to access the account, my Netflix account, um, on the television down here. So if I log in down here, as long as I go to my profile, am I okay? Or is it, you know, is it if someone else accesses like an additional profile on there, are you limited to one profile? What does that look like? Um, so that's going to be really interesting. I don't really know. Um, the Netflix email doesn't indicate when extra users will have to fork up the sum 99, but does ask account holders to double check which devices they're logged into. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that more, but I am not thrilled about that. Let's be honest there. Oh, man. All right. Last thing. Uh, always do rants and raves. couple things I want to touch on here. Uh, one in terms of a rant is I'm just tired of these Middle East war movies. Um, you know, the Covenant was fine. It wasn't anything uh, to write home about, and it wasn't anything new, um, as the same can be said for Kandahar, uh, which just came out this past week, starring Gerard Butler. Um, both of them kind of follow somewhat similar uh, ideas there, trying to get to an extraction point with an interpreter. Um, different reasons and motivations, of course, for why it's happening in each film. 
but uh, I just, I guess I'm kind of tired of just exploring, like, the Middle East is a, a tough zone and a dangerous zone for these spies or Americans, uh, and they have to get out of there, and it it's something that we see so often, I think it's so easy to write about, and I'm getting kind of tired of just seeing the same old thing with that, so uh, unless there can be a new dynamic story, um, I, I just... I, I really don't want to see these anymore. I think it's kind of lazy to keep going back and tapping that dried out well. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think over the years. The the first big war movie, well, the two big that come to mind, I would say. Black Hawk Down was really great. Saving Private Ryan, of course. But, you know, we're not tapping the Middle East war there. Um, but any modern day war film is going to be likely set in the Middle East. Um, and again, I think it's just tapped out. I think it's lazy. I think it's too easy, uh, to, to explore, um, what's going on in the Middle East and to make it another, you know, uh, the American hero, um, the American white guy, essentially, um, you know, among Afghanis or Iraqis or Iranians or whatever it may be, whoever it may be. Uh, and I'm ready for us to get something fresh if we're going to tap back into that genre. All right. So that's my little message for those looking to make war movies. Finally, my rave is going to be about Vivian Lyra Blair. So this is the young actress many of you were probably most familiar with uh, from the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. She played a young Leia, and she was dynamic in that series, in my opinion. Uh, She's currently, I believe, 10 years old. She was solid, kind of capturing the spirit of, uh, you know, of Leia. Uh, and Carrie Fisher's performance um, with her, obviously, as a much older, uh, much older Leia there. But she was just really dynamic, really eye-catching in terms of her performance and being a young actress that you couldn't take your eyes off of. You couldn't stop seeing what she, or stop wondering and wanting to see what she was going to do next. The same can be said for her recent performance in, um, or upcoming performance, I should say, in The Boogeyman, which is hitting theaters on June 2nd. I had the opportunity to see this movie last week, uh, and it was really solid in my opinion. Good horror genre film. Um, Doesn't do much to reinvent the wheel, but it still delivers and is effective. Um, But she is one of the young actresses in this, the youngest. uh, She plays a young uh, young girl who is afraid of the dark after her mother dies. Um, And of course you can expect that she gets involved with the titular character. Um, but, uh, she has some quippy lines in this that are just so damn funny and so well delivered. Uh, and just again, the way that she carries herself, the way that she is able to, um, deliver emotion, but then maybe flip it and deliver, you know, humor, um, or charm or something of, uh, something that you wouldn't expect from a 10 year old is just really interesting to me. And I think she's a fantastic young actress, excited to see what she does next. She plays off of Sophie Thatcher of Yellow Jackets very well in this film. Um, and again, just very excited to see what she does next because I think if she's able to perform the way that she is right now at such a young age, then she's in hopefully for a long, successful career. Um, and good for them for uh, casting her in these roles. All right, guys. So that is the podcast for this week. New this week is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in theaters. And then, of course, as just mentioned, The Boogeyman. Check all that out. We'll be back with a regular episode next Monday. But until then, guys, keep watching those movies. Keep interacting on socials. Uh, If you like what you're hearing here, please make sure that you are subscribing to the pod wherever you listen, liking the episodes, and commenting. It really helps. All right, guys, take care.
The Guy at the Movies podcast is a joint venture between Math Teacher Movies and Guy at the Movies. You can catch new episodes weekly right here wherever you're listening to this one. Subscribe so you never miss a beat.